in one dark dark town there was a dark dark house and in the dark dark house there's a dark dark bedroom and in the dark dark bedroom there's a dark dark podcast mic on which we're recording today the Karen instinct our halloween episode our halloween special <laughs> how are you joe i'm not too bad yeah ready for halloween ready for halloween when is it actually the 31st of 31st. october I don't have always have to remind myself of the dates to get lost a couple of weeks <laughs> yes we've not got started the whole getting ready term to prepare yeah we ran a little poll on our facebook page and for our listeners i'd like to say um, we know that a lot of people are listening but not following our Facebook page. And please give us a follow on Facebook or Instagram because this is where we answer comments, where we uh, talk to you, find out what you think um, and post silly polls like this one about Halloween. Um, and basically we asked whether you think Halloween is too dark, too gory. Should we even be exposing children to this? Should we be sort of encouraging this? So whether this is a worry for you or whether you're feeling playful about it, um, whether you like dressing up, decorating, uh, whether you indulge the Halloween play with your kids. And so far we've got the responses, we've got people are feeling playful about it. But it is a concern for many. I love Halloween. And when I go to and and even see the Tesco aisles with Halloween stuff, I find it worrying. I find it going overboard uh, with the mask, the goriness. What do you think, Joe? Um, Well, first of all, Halloween for me, I have to be honest, I'm a bit of a... um... I don't know what the word is, Scrooge in if for Christmas. Grinch. I don't know what the word Grinch. is. You're it Grinch? Halloween Grinch. <laughs> <clears throat> and it's not really that I don't um agree with it or I just never I, I never used to do it as a mm-hmm. child. It's it's um it seems to have got bigger and bigger, and I've just never kind of warmed to it really. I'm, my children are four and two, so they've just, we had we did trick-or-treating last week, last year, I remember, for the first time. And they oh. really uh yeah, enjoyed it, you know. It was it was getting the sweets mainly, <laughs> yeah. but uh, so we just I'm just finding my way with it really now. We'll mm. be my wife's from uh, Colombia and, and it's huge thing over there, so she's really into it. So we'll yeah, I'm kind of just discovering it really. So is it both the Halloween and the Day of the Dead on the first of November? No, Day of the Dead it... is a different date, I think. Okay. Uh, for Mexico, but there's right. um yeah. I think I'm not sure, but it's um, I I like that a bit more because it has more of a grounding in in cutting death and what's with the remembering the dead and and it's uh, it, it brings people together in, in a different kind of way I think, whereas Halloween for me feels a bit uh, markety and we're sold to these and we have to buy things and yeah buy humbug about it yeah but exactly yeah yeah. I'm yet to find the richness in it but let's see we'll explore today do you know I'm the exact opposite (laughs) what I love about Halloween I say it's like Christmas but for us because without any family obligations any presents any sort of convention well there is convention uh, but I like I like the dress up 
And what I love is we can create our own traditions because it's new for us, for our generations, but for our children, it will be, oh, on Halloween, we always went trick-or-treating, mommy cooked, cooked pumpkin pie. I don't know. For that, we, we are literally creating this tradition in real time. Yeah, we have ownership. Yes, yes. And it's rare. Yeah. And it's a great, well, here uh, we live in a little market town in the fence and it's the community steps up for Halloween amazingly. Lots of people decorate, lots of people are ready with the sweets. Um, the local cemetery keeper decorates the old cemetery and the lodge. It's amazing. He goes all in. Yeah. Jumping spiders and sinking skeletons and whatnot. And um, so you mentioned at the walking down the aisle, some of the things that for so a bit still, too much for you. Some of the things. What happens um, there? Some of the things do concern me. And I know my son who loves Halloween, he will still shy away from the more gory, violent stuff. So I found my my playground in Halloween with making costumes and all, like I said, and the decorations. But I am from a family, like my mom hates it. She thinks this is really detrimental. Yeah. And why are we exposing children to this? So this is my big question for today. Are we exposing and teaching children inappropriate things? Or is it the time where something that's already in them can come out? And what is it that needs to come out? And... Just what's the crack here? Yeah. Well, for me, uh, what comes up is straight away is it's but we we're going close to the edge with it, aren't we? Mm-hmm. With with many of the things, which is um, I think is a good thing, but at the same time, that means there are going to be the potential of of going too too far, being scared, kids being becoming scared and and uh, finding things hard. But uh, as long as it's done in the context of the families, of togetherness, and we, we look after, well, it might be a nice kind of womb as such to explore those feelings. And so we can really make the most out of it in that sense. And uh, we talk a lot about alarm-based games in our work. And uh, yeah, this in, in many ways, it's a cultural society playing around with our alarm system. In what way? In the same way that when we're, uh, as we develop, uh, we develop this alarm system inside us and you see a lot of the games that we play, even from the beginning, like the peekaboo and the um, hide and seek and these things and what Gordon Neufeld would call alarm-based games. So this alarm system is, you know, if you think about the peekaboo, everyone's gone, ah, there's the alarm, but then someone comes back and there's the, there's a giggle, a laugh and it's, ah, it's good and, uh, all done in a safe context so you can really feel that alarm but it's not scary so it's uh, the alarm system gets to go up and it gets to come down and that's what we're doing with these costumes when we're scaring each other in a safe way so we can feel that alarm go up and go down. and it's kind of like training for the system but as we get older because we need to have our alarm system functioning when we go out into the to the real world we need to be able to listen to it and bring it into play celebrating it exactly lets us find it so that here's where i think is the really you can make the most of these things i'm coming along for it already (laughs) i'm persuading myself 
nice. Do you know, peekaboo apparently from Old English translates as um, dead or alive. Oh, really? Can you yeah, imagine? Yeah. There so, we go. Even darker. So innocent and for the, a game for babies <coughs> and so dark. <laughs> yeah. And Denise. Dead or alive. Dead or alive. That's what it is. That is what it is, isn't it? Yeah. That's what we're playing with. And so this, this well, to come back to that well-functioning alarm system is really useful, you know, as adults. It's going gonna, it's gonna to help us find our kind of like danger alerts. Uh, we'll know where to, to respond to. And uh, having it moving and flowing, I often refer to it a bit like how a river starts. So it starts off with a little stream and a channel and it, and it flows. And, and, and what we're doing in these games, we're just making it flow a bit more like a like a river so we can listen to it we can respond to it and then it will come down and we can find our uh, calmness again and, and the, the body can reset but for some people it can get stuck in adulthood and, and for some and there we're constantly in that heightened state of alarm it might lead to anxiousness anxious thoughts and these these kind of things and a lot of the work I do as a therapist with um, adults is rediscovering this alarm system and, and letting it complete its journey more 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 often and sometimes we use play as well so and I bet you link it to attachment because that's what sets alarm off in us uh, being separated from from those we're attached to or thinking or anticipating the separation yes Gordon Newfold talks about our alarm defenses because alarm can be so hard for our brain to process in a way that you're saying when it comes up and goes down. When it doesn't come down, what happens is the brain can put in defenses. The brain's really good at it. It doesn't want us to suffer ultimately. And there are three levels of, of those defenses. So the first level is anxiety-based, when a child or an adult is not feeling safe. There are phobias, there are nightmares, they're easily spooked, they avoid scary things, um, they might not like to walk through the Halloween aisle in the supermarket, they might want to try to choose a different aisle or get you to do that. And that's the first level. And now, exactly. So they're, yeah. they're, they're, those are all kind of signs that the alarm system is high and it's it's almost stuck that way. It's not, we know what the body needs to come down uh, at some point, but it's it's become overwhelmed and it's there's a checking out process from it. But it's mm -hmm. still um, it's still running our lies through, like you mentioned, phobias. And, uh, yeah, it's running the show. It's still running the show, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second level of defendedness is agitation based. Even though the child or the adult for that matter doesn't feel as anxious, uh, doesn't seem so easily afraid anymore, they're agitated, their attention scattered, they try to ease it by compulsions, uh, but like rhythmical actions, whether they're like rocking on the chair or. Um, to something like this all the yeah, time yeah yeah <laughs> yes you know them in your classroom when you see them um, yeah 
not being able to concentrate just can't stay still can't concentrate yes and uh the third level is adrenaline based and there's no more feeling unsafe or saying that uh you are scared or missing someone because that's just not cool and uh people whose brains have defended them this much uh they want to be cool because anything else is too vulnerable and uh, they're seeking the rush of adrenaline. Mm. So it's, you know, the scariest roller coaster. N- nothing is too much for them. <clears throat> and what do they get from the adrenaline? They actually get, they get them, to feel it. They get to they feel. Get actually the feeling, they get, yeah. yeah, they get to feel mm. again. The defences come in, you can't feel the alarm system come, and, and what tends to happen is the, when the defences come, they can't just... Go, oh, we just put the alarm system. We can feel everything out. They t- a whole of, a whole load of things tend to get pushed down with it as well, and then it's almost like the the body, the part of them is also being drawn towards that feeling again. But it's the only, it's like the only thing they can get to now is is that real adrenaline. Like I don't know if you've seen those um, videos on YouTube or like people like climbing buildings and can't remember what it's called. Parkour. climbing scaffold sca- like parkour but they go really high and climb stand on the edge of high-rise scaffolding and building it's definitely yeah not safe. it's mine working <laughs> and definitely it won't work for someone uh whose alarm defenses are anxiety based yeah. like to be yeah. honest most of us because we're easily spooked yeah and so it's a uh, it's almost like most of us are in that anxiety based one Uh, and come back in and out of it so in a way if your child is nervous around some of the scarier halloween questions things that jump out that that means that they're more in tune with their feelings than someone who's just one up in their friends i'm not scared still not scared no you've got to do better than that and that there's no access anymore to uh, that living feeling of um, alarming them. Yeah, we tend to have a um, quite generalized, but if we see something's not there, we see it as a good thing. So if we see, you know, my child didn't get scared of of that, mm-hmm. we think, oh, he must have, you know, he's mature, he's grown up, or he mm-hmm. understands mm-hmm. cognitively that it's not a threat, it's just play, but. Mm-hmm. We assume that it's uh, maybe a good sign, but it might not necessarily be that. On the other hand, children that do find these things scary, that might be a great sign that everything's working well. Yeah, because it's appropriate. It's appropriate to be scared of a skeleton that jumps out, uh, jumps out yeah. at you. It's, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it might just be that the two scope, and it's not play for them. Yeah, it's not something they can bring in the play. It's not something they can explore in this in this context whereas there's kind of that when you get that balance of it's scary but you want to kind of engage with it it's safe as well then that's when it's really kind of going up and down and completing you might need to find that in other areas uh for now uh, make it a bit safe or explore it in, in other ways but this might just be too much yeah and it's also a very important point whether they perceive it as play because some children are uh, genuinely too young for Halloween and we are maybe a little too excited to push it on them too young but they might not be able to tell that this is not 
for real. So we for, for them to enjoy Halloween and to get the benefits of this alarm play and this identity play that I think um, we'll talk about in a minute. They need to be clear that this is play. Yeah, exactly. And that's the the other good thing about Halloween that is it's um you know it's a family uh, event normally. Um, my kids are four and two, so we'll be walking around with them, Definitely. and um, yeah. they'll be uh, you know when it doesn't when it's not play anymore, they can come to us. We can just finish. We can do some. We, you know, we'll be there to look after them. Yes, definitely. So we can take it. Yeah, we can explore. We can really explore. And it's mm. it's like that for most. And then it changes from year to year. And that's yeah. exciting too. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, as someone whose family were really wary of Halloween, um, it's interesting for me to observe in myself just how much I'm enjoying it now as a grown-up, how much I found my play in this dress-up, in a putting on um, evil voices and all that. And, you know, again, Newfield has this amazing metaphor of a cookie cutter, yeah. which is what our primary attachment figures, so usually our parents, what they accept in us, what they have an invitation for. For example, they have an invitation for a child who is polite, happy, successful, maybe a child who is not very well. They have a lot of invitation, a lot of empathy with that, but they do not have an invitation for a child who is lazy or who they perceive as, uh, I don't know, scruffy or grumpy or talking back. And as much as uh, we, we can try and value all feelings and expand this invitation and it's really important work we all have that cookie cutter as parents as teachers especially as teachers you you need children to be a certain way to run a class um this is where parents step in and hopefully have a bigger invitation for the child but halloween for many is a way to stretch that cookie cutter a little bit just once a year, we can be evil. Yeah. We can, you know, we can laugh at horrible things. We don't have to be nice. We can eat too many sweets. <laughs> Just once a year, the cookie cutter expands. And I think this can be really healing for yeah. children and for adults as well. So what you're what come what you're saying, I think, is that that speaks to play really because mm. um, it's almost like the playful uh, nature of it is uh, makes it safe for us as parents to to be able to explore, and then that gives that invitation for this to explore our children. So you know, really, it's good for us to play. Yeah, yeah. But no, remember very well, uh, my sister and I swapping really dark rhymes when we were there's quite another seven years between us so I would have been a preteen or just a teenager she was um very young still and we were both raised to be very very good girls and we were both very very good girls we really tried to be within that cookie cutter mm. and we were swapping those really 
dark crimes and mom listening to us obviously disapproving and obviously probably putting on a disapproving face because uh, she didn't want to encourage this um, but at the same time seeing how much fun we were having and sort of smiling despite herself and it's just this feeling of expanding that invitation look mom we're enjoying this and you're still with us yeah. yeah, and this is really, really important that for just once a year to be banned to have that. Yes. <laughs> what was it like at, at the time? Yeah, it felt daring. Yeah. Yeah, and I still remember it so many years later. Yeah, so it must have been a big deal. I've got to ask my sister whether she remembers it. Yeah. 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 So, have we convinced you? What are you going as? Well, let's say I'll um I'll send a picture. To... <laughs> yes, Halloween pictures. And you can judge for yourself if I got into it or not. That's the Grinch. Yeah, there might be everyone dressed up, but me just or I'll be dressed up. Let's see. Okay, thank you for coming and listening to our Halloween episode. We'll um we'll send you some pictures of how it looks for us. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we've got a Facebook page, so um, give us a like and come and say hello. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Ooh.